Hey, welcome to the Morning Show Podcast. This is Pastor Rob and Pastor Dave dropping some knowledge, dropping some cultural criticisms, and all things related to coffee. What is the Morning Show? Well, it's about helping the church navigate cultural and theological topics from a biblical perspective, featuring weekly special guests and the pastors of First Baptist Eve. Make sure you follow us and like us on Facebook and the Twitter page. Let's start the show. Hello and good morning to the morning show. Good morning. Lovely to have you back, sir. Yeah, and you back. We've been separated for I know. A long time. It's so sad. <laughs> cracking up Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> you know, we're really like the col- like I'm just adjusting here to our new We have adjusted some lights. Set yeah. design. Yeah, I bet it looks better online than it does on the room. Probably not. Yeah. There's not much you can do for It this. looks very white in the room. Like on we that. are white. I'm it's, white. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it looks better on the internet. So you're good on the internet. Oh, good. Hi, internet. So yes, we're we're special guests today. A penguin. Um, we have a penguin in house. <laughs> Watch me for the waddle for the extra credits. <laughs> no, he's gonna be parking everybody's cars uh, after yes. we're done today. <laughs> you know, taking your food order in a very snooty French accent. Uh, what else yes. you got? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Give me some time to think. Give me some time to think. Uh, it is the one year anniversary of the morning show. Which... One year anniversary. Wow, I did not see that coming. We know. <laughs> We've been prepping for a while. <laughs> I didn't even know. I showed up this morning. I'm like, why are you wearing a tux? And no, <laughs> it's one year. Our fun uh, little show has graduated to one year anniversary, sir. Happy anniversary. Wow. Do you remember who the first guest was? <gasps> dum dum. I went and looked it up. Oh, so hold I on. Know. I remember because I looked it up. Do you know, though? Would this be TJ? This is TJ Odom. TJ. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all night parking your cars. Uh, <laughs> That is fantastic. Yeah, TJ was the very first guest of the morning show. I always want to say the mayor, Mayor Jones. Yeah, now he wasn't number one. But it was Um, TJ first. Still pretty impressive. We got the mayor of Heath to actually come on and do this. I know. Um, Because there's so many things happening in the city of Heath. (laughs) (laughs) He won't be coming on again. So, (laughs) got him once. Won't be getting him again. Kudos to Mayor Jones. He's actually been really helpful. Uh, His whole staff there. I would give a shout out to Jenna if she's watching. She's Um, not. She's not. (laughs) But she's fantastic and really helpful. Uh, The City of Heath was great as far as our egg hunt that went on this past weekend. Uh, So, we will show some love to the City of Heath. Uh, But, hey, let's move on to some fun other things that have happened this weekend that including easter uh <laughs> the chosen we finally got season two finally dropped like, yes episode one which by the way a year ago the very first episode of the morning show we talked about the chosen oh uh, full so circle this is, this is yeah fun. full circle yeah uh the audio actually works this year though so that's a plus <laughs> on the chosen or us, <laughs> us yeah oh, okay uh yeah no, so sunday night eight o'clock uh episode one season two of the chosen dropped we watched it live so that and, means we were uh, able to get out season two before the chosen we're better at production than they are. That's true. Yeah, we were ahead of The Chosen. Yeah, we've done a lot more episodes, too. Oh. There's oh. a lot more biblical and better, but... That's <laughs> true. But only slightly. Uh, so, uh, for those of you who haven't watched, please go to VidAngel. You can watch the season one. Uh, you have to put it on, like, your phone. There's, like, an app you put on. Then you can stream it through your TV. Yeah. Now, a lot of it is on YouTube now. Um, so, Fair if you have enough. a YouTube app. And you can watch episode one of season two on YouTube 
Um, but you cannot, uh, going forward, a lot of them, they said, are not going to be on YouTube, at least initially. They may back date them on there. So but, uh, your opening thoughts, what did, what did you like? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I, I thought it went really well. Continued right from season one. Um, I'm a, you know, I had eight episodes in season one, and I've said I really liked four through eight. The first three were good. I thought four through eight were really amazing, um, and it continued right in that vein. I think yeah. what, what helps me is it's when it's connected to the scripture. Yeah, very when much I can so. say, hey, we're in this book, this chapter, that really brings a level of coolness to it. I agree. Uh, it's like they started to hit their stride. But you needed episodes one through three because it's establishing character background. And so like the setting. Uh, and so. So, yeah, and the big thing, I think one of the big things, what did you think about? Uh, it begins in the future with John writing his gospel. Yeah, they, they did a timeline jump, uh, yeah. and it was really cute because you get to see a lot of the dynamics between the different disciples. Uh, obviously, between Peter and Andrew, it was hysterical. Um, you know, they've kind of carried the show, I think, a lot through first season one. So season two, they're starting to, like, branch that out a little bit. Some of the other disciples are kind of carrying some of the narrative. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really cute. Uh, there's a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah, there is. And yeah. that first five minutes, whatever, during that interview right. scene. Uh, so it was kind of fun to catch all those. Yeah, and I saw a little bit of criticism online. Uh, people saying, oh, they're going Catholic. They're, you know, he's calling Mother Mary, Mary Mother. No, um, Jesus said it from Exactly, the yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that's in the Gospels. When yeah. Jesus says, behold your son, behold your mother. Yeah. Um, you know, that relationship is there to take on for John. So I think they were... Did you catch Extremely biblical there. the fun thing where Mary was like, you know, John's like, the first time I, you know, tell me about the first time you saw him. And he's like, well, he, she said he put his hand on mine. And she's like, but not like that. Take that out. Because people get confused. And I was like, I'm so glad they threw that little joke in there. Because, uh, well, there's a lot of heresy that's been crafted after that. So I, I appreciated that. Yeah. They're including things. They're doing a fantastic job. I uh, like the, uh, the joke talking about John the Baptist and Peter jumps in. <laughs> Yeah, behold, I found a new bug to eat. Uh, so just a lot of like normal. I think what it really does is it takes these biblical events and shows them in like normal relational mm -hmm. ways, you know, yeah. um, of how people talk, how people interact, um, and yet still hitting the biblical events perfectly or, yeah. you know, as well as we can do in a human sense. Um, uh, there's a really sweet, so this episode's a lot about John writing, you know, his testimony of the gospel. Uh, so I think the first five minutes, the last five minutes are, are really poignant, um, and, and really amazing to see some stuff there. Thomas gets introduced. Yep. Thomas uh, comes. Um, I thought it was really well how they did, um, how the dad has that struggle yeah. of letting his daughter go and added that in. And that was probably common I sure mean, sure yeah that was a there anything that a that's thing. extra biblical they're still handling it within a proper cultural context right yeah they're not just making stuff up going crazy yeah there's just, not like anachronisms all over the place so I, I appreciate that um yeah and then obviously so this is in john 4 is where they're at here if you read just after the woman at the well jesus mm -hmm. and his disciples spent a couple days there in this town in Samaria, sharing the gospel, lots of people believe. And so that this episode is, is right there in John 4. Correct, yeah, putting that thing in there of like, how did this town respond once this lady goes in and says, you know, this is the man who knows everything I who knows everything about me. Uh, and so you see the entire town of Sikar just turned upside down. Uh, and it really is fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm impressed. So uh, they're doing a little bit different on the dropping of episodes. 
Um, it's Jenkins. What's his first Dallas. name? Dallas. Dallas Jenkins. That's why I don't like Dallas, because it's the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> so Mr. Jenkins told us that he will be uh, dropping the episodes as they're finishing production. So this won't be like an every Friday thing like we're typically used to. Uh, so if you're going to follow along The Chosen, make sure you follow them uh, on Facebook or on the website. Get their notifications. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about it here on the morning show after we'll do a uh, you know, a Tuesday Quick morning review. quarterback yeah. kind of thing review. Right, and the there episodes. will be spoilers because we don't care no. um, at all. But if you read your Bible, there really aren't any spoilers. <laughs> so <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but definitely check it out. Download the app. Check out the show. I think you yeah. will enjoy it. Um, and the next goal is to get someone from the show on the show, on our show. Do you think we could book Jesus? Uh, I don't know. We could try. Like, which one? Maybe one of the disciples. Like, yeah. Uh, I think we get Peter. Bartholomew. Yeah. You're going. Peter's you're, coming on. You don't think you're going to go? No, you start Peter. from the bottom up. Matthew's a really good character as I well. would love to have Matthew. Like, what was the decision going, portraying Matthew in the way he is? Because right. um, there's a very distinctive characteristic behavioral thing that they're implying in Matthew. I mean, it's autistic, right? Basically. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a lot of what it looks like. Um, yeah, which which is a really interesting choice, and so kind of curious how that came about. Right, that is one question I'd like to ask. Well, we have reviewed chosen, the chosen. If you're watching, let us know. Yeah, we'll you're a friend of the show. Please be an actual friend of the show. We, you know, we we've always talked about putting like a whole wall of friends of the show. We haven't. People that have turned us down. Yeah, season three. We'll put those up yeah. there. All right, so we're going to go from The Chosen all the way to New England. Um, here in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Dr. Dr. Terry Dorsett of the Baptist Convention of New England and talk a little bit about what's going on up there in the church planning world um, in New England. So I think he's ready, so we'll go ahead and bring Dr. Dorsett on. Hello, sir. Welcome into the studio, sir. Well, I'm glad to be with you. I'm sorry that I'm not Matthew or Jesus, but I'll do what I can do. <laughs> we we are appreciative here, sir. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we have the clout, so yeah. Um, <laughs> but you you look great, sir. Uh, I gotta say, I, I like the office. That is a very simplistic, like nice. Like normally, we see a whole library behind people. When they come on, you you chose. I like it. It's it's clean. I I I need a clean space to work. Otherwise, I get distracted. Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> I understand the fight, sir. Yeah. So when we talk about New England, uh, and you obviously you're the executive director of the Baptist Convention of New England. Uh, New England gets a lot of shade thrown at it, a lot of misconceptions. There's the leaf peeping, there's the Patriots, there's lobster, uh, Boston cream pie, Norman Walkwell towns, but there's a lot more to the six states that make up New England. So give us your kind of take on what really makes New England, New England. Well, first, let me clarify that there is no misconception about the Patriots. They are the greatest <laughs> football team of all history. So, you know, get that settled with your viewers and everything else just works out. I would there. say Brady, and then there was everybody else, but sure. <laughs> All right. Well, when we think of New England, you know, a lot of people, you know, yes, definitely lobsters up in Maine and Boston obviously are, is important. And yes, there are Norman Rockwell towns. All those stereotypes are right. Uh, but there's also a lot more to New England. Uh, for instance, we have some of the most elite colleges uh, in the country, you know, we have Harvard, we have Yale, 
We have just many, many, you know, with 252 colleges in New England, and they are producing pretty much almost every president, almost all Supreme Court nominees, most senators uh, across the country were educated either completely in New England or partially in New England. And so our, our education system has impacted the nation for good or ill. You know, it, you know, there's different opinions on whether it's been a blessing or a curse, but that's a huge piece of New England. We also have incredible ethnic diversity. That's just incredible. For instance, Connecticut has the most, the highest percentage of foreign-born residents in the entire nation. A lot of people don't know that, um, wow. but we're uh, if you're if you're in Boston itself, 40% of the population um, in Boston, you know, is from a different from a different country, um, and that impacts our convention because 40% of our churches worship in a language other than English. So we're one of the most ethnically diverse Baptist conventions in the country. And if our current trajectory, current growth trajectory cha- uh, continues, in less than a decade, we'll be the first minority Anglo Baptist convention in the SBC. Wow. Wow. Praise yeah. God for that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, <clears throat> let me ask you this as kind of just follow up on that. Uh, and you may not know this, but just sort of generally, are you seeing most of the growth in the churches in the convention? Is it mostly um, people from other countries um, where a lot of that salvation and new growth is happening? Definitely in southern New England, so okay. Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. Uh, definitely most of the growth there is being fueled by immigrants from other countries. Oftentimes, they're, they're not from Christian backgrounds. They're from other backgrounds. They come to America. They're exposed We do uh, to the gospel in some way. We do just massive amounts of English as a second language programs. And so people come to learn English, and then they you know meet some Christians and then profess Christ. And end up in the church. So, so we're seeing that a lot in in southern New England, northern New England, you know, less so because there's just fewer immigrants. There's not as many jobs in northern New England, so people come for jobs. Mm-hmm. And so, there's not many jobs. Then there's fewer fewer immigrants that move to northern New England. That would be Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire. So mm-hmm. the growth there is not being fueled by by immigrants. Oh, very good. Uh, so, uh, you know, one of the other, I guess, kind of within theological circles, uh, you think about New England, you think about the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening. Uh, I remember when, when David and I had gone through Boston, and he showed me outside, I think it was Harvard, that they have scripture actually written on the wall, <laughs> even though no one's actually ever read their Bible on the other <laughs> side of that wall. Right, right. Um, so there's like this this rich theological history within New England, but uh, it's changed, right? Uh, so what would you little, say? Just a little. Just, yeah. just a little. So what is yeah. the theological landscape now in New England? Well, there are, you know, there are not many evangelicals in New England, depending on which survey you want to follow. Four to six percent of New Englanders would consider themselves evangelical. Now, we know pretty solid that only about 4% of evangelicals and uh, 4% of the people in New England attend an evangelical church. That's a pretty solid statistic from numerous different surveys. Okay. But you do have some people in New England who would themselves be an evangelical, but they're attending a non-evangelical church because there's not an evangelical church near them. Wow. And so they're going to a church that does not preach the gospel, even though they have received the gospel themselves. And it's a unique situation. Wow. And <clears throat> it's uh, almost like being a missionary 
<clears throat> almost like being a missionary to a to a congregation uh, that doesn't that, that has lost the gospel. So, mm. I mean, um, but, yeah, go the ahead. word oh, no, I was just the word post Christian gets thrown around a lot about New England, and so what could you kind of break that down? Sure. Yeah, most people in New England, God is just not a part of their thinking processes. If they were having a struggle, like a personal struggle, for many people in New England, it would not occur to them that they should call a pastor or a Christian to discuss that. Um, they, you know, I don't know, they might, they might call a friend, you know, who has a degree in psychology or something like that. Uh, but God is just not in the thinking patterns of most people in New England. He just isn't. And so it really does take a spiritual movement. Something has to happen spiritually to shake them out of their situation in order for them to really become open to the gospel. I wouldn't say that they're necessarily against the gospel. I don't know that we have a lot of people who are hmm. would be like hardened atheists. I, I, we don't have very many of those. We would have a lot of people who would be practicing agnostics. Okay. They believe that up there somewhere is something. They're not quite sure what it is but it doesn't play into a regular part of their life. So they could just go on with life without really thinking about it until grandma dies. And then they'll think about it for a few weeks and then they won't think about it again until grandpa dies. And so there's these little narrow windows of opportunity that we have to sort of speak into a situation. And if we miss the opportunity, it'll be three or four years before the opportunity comes up again, because they're just not thinking about it as, as a regular day-to-day -day life. Yeah. So one thing I would say, I mean, I pastored in Boston um, for almost five years. And one thing that kind of stuck out to me different from Ohio is that the town, the community, the, you know, the little towns have sort of replaced the church in being cultural and social life. So like here, a lot of the events we would do for the community, egg hunts and different festivals and just fun stuff, um, the town does it. And that's where everybody gets that. You get all of that sort of social cultural stuff from your town um and in a lot of other places in the country the towns really don't do a lot of that stuff um sure yeah we have a lot of church planters who come and say they're gonna they're gonna build an authentic community right and what they find is is the people that are there already have an authentic yeah. community and they don't need another one so right. what they end up with is a bunch of transplants who move here from other places who don't have community and yep. so their entire congregation is made up of transplants which is not necessarily bad transplants right. need jesus too right. but they just don't stay very long hmm. and so yep. you have a very up and down sort of experience in church whereas our churches that are trying to reach native new englanders it, it takes longer but when you reach one they're still there you know i pastored yeah. a church in vermont we had 54 adult converts in eight years and I've been gone from that church now for almost 20 years, and almost all of those 54 people are still in that church. Yeah, um, wow. It took forever for them to come to Christ, but once they did, yeah, that's their transformation. They're not going anywhere. Right. They're right there. Right. Well, that's one thing I would say. My experience, obviously, you've got a lot more than me, but New Englanders are, are very loyal. <clears throat> like, they're not quick to do something, but once they're, once they're a part of your church, I mean, they're there. Like, they, you know, there's not a lot of casual Christianity, I don't think. Right. That I saw if, we have, if a church in New England has 70 members, 
68 of them are there every Sunday. Right. Whereas when I served the church in South Carolina, we had, I don't know, 900 members and the FBI couldn't have found half of them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So it seems like from the outside over the last, I don't know, 10 years, uh, there's been this process of change. I've even seen different articles, um, different magazines talking about revival happening in New England. A lot of this happening through church planning. So what, what do you see as the signs of hope and change that are coming in this sort of very post-Christian culture up there? Sure. So I'm not sure that the, um, I'm not sure how much the secular culture in New England has figured out that there's a revival going on, <laughs> but there is absolutely a revival going on that evangelicals recognize. Amen. So um, I've lived, I've served, I've planted churches in Vermont, I've planted churches in Connecticut, and now I'm in Massachusetts. So three of the six states I've lived in and helped plant churches in. You know, when I went to Vermont in the 90s, if you had 30 people in your church, you you had arrived. I mean, that was it. Now those same churches have 60 people. Now you're never going to be on the cover of Outreach Magazine sure, with 60 right. people in your church. But if you've been the pastor of that church and you watched it grow from 30 to 60 in the last five years, yeah. you feel like you're in the midst of the greatest revival you've ever experienced Amen. because your church is twice what it once was. You know, And that's happening all over New England. Uh, the same thing in Connecticut. We're seeing the same thing in Massachusetts. Churches that have been around for a long time and were 50 people are now 75 people. Again, you're not going to be on the cover of any magazine. You're never going to be famous. But for those people in that church, they know that this was a church that could barely pay the electric bill five years ago. And now we have 25 more people than we've ever had in our history. Like the golden era was not the 1950s. The golden area is like right now. They are now living in their largest time that their church has ever been, wow. even though their church is still small by, say, national standards. So sure. for those of us who are living here, we're excited about it. We go to church every week thinking, who's going to be here today? Who's <laughs> be here today? You know? So it's exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So how has um, COVID affected the churches and that revival up there? Because I know some of those states have been some of the more strict um, on gatherings oh. and meetings. So how, yeah. have, how have seen churches oh. handle that? Yeah, that has definitely been a challenge. You know, New England, with the exception of New Hampshire, New England has definitely been in a lockdown state now for 55 weeks. Wow. And so mm -hmm. we have church plants that have not gathered in person in 55 weeks, whereas in much of the rest of the country, it was two months or three months of a lockdown. We're at 55 weeks. Some of our church plants, if they were meeting in schools or other public buildings, they may never be able to meet in those places again. The pandemic has so changed the thinking of those institutions that they're rethinking where do they want to have any other outside groups in their buildings. Oh. So it's that part has been very difficult. On the flip side, our small established churches that own their own building, so therefore they were in control of their own situation, they're actually experiencing significant growth because wow. suddenly, you know, if you just think about it, you have a building that seats 250 and you have a congregation of 50. You don't have to worry about social distancing. Yeah, you yeah. have all Fair the enough, space yeah. you need. You can double in attendance and still be under the 50% rule that the governor has declared for most of our New England states. And so you're okay. And so that's exactly what's happening. People who were attending very large churches, but their church can't meet because of the rules are now migrating to smaller churches. And so smaller churches are actually growing during the pandemic. Wow. And so our smaller churches for by and large are stronger coming out of the pandemic. And our larger churches are the ones that are, that have really taken it on the chin. 
because their greatest asset, the larger church, is they have an incredible stage presence. Well, after 55 weeks of being on Zoom, you know, it's they have incredible Zoom meetings. But so does, you know, whether you agree with his theology or not, so does Joel Osteen. Right. So if, you're, right. if, you're, if you're an incredible stage presence can only be done online, now you're having to compete with people all over the right. country who are also online. But if you're a small church um, that can actually meet in person um, because you own your own building and your control of the situation, then you're actually a step ahead. So it's been challenging, uh, but we're getting through it. We've seen a thousand baptisms in 2020, uh, which we think is phenomenal. It is less than what we've had in the last few years. But considering that we're at 55 weeks of some of our churches not being able to meet in person, we think a thousand baptisms is incredible. That's 374 churches. So, you know, I, I know it doesn't work out to the exact average, but about three baptisms per church is better than what we would have anticipated. No. Considering that some of our churches haven't got to meet in so long. Yeah. So. That is really That's probably more information than you wanted to know. No, no. It's just encouraging, right? John talks about the light shines in the darkness and it's, it's incredibly bright. So it's great to hear the good news of in the midst of all the pandemic and just kind of disparaging news that God is still moving and working and multiplying the kingdom. Right. Yeah. So our church um, is currently partnered. I think he's watching right now. I saw him comment in there uh, with Joel Littlefield, who is in Bath, uh, Maine. Uh, so you can say whatever you want on yeah, air, any by the dirt, way. This is the shot. <laughs> if you got any good dirt on Joel. Um, all I have on Joel is good stuff. All right. Uh, all there's technical Joel. difficulties. <laughs> That's not what we heard. <laughs> but if you want to make up some controversy just so that it like spikes your ratings, I can make something up. But I mean, that's how it works today, right? I mean, that's how everyone else does it. So we might as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't yeah. like Moxie or blueberries or yeah. right. <laughs> I would agree with him on Moxie. That's like carbonated cough syrup. I don't know why anyone pays for it, but some people drink can Moxie. Can you say that? You're a director of New England Yeah, as long as he supports the Patriots, he can go. Oh, away. that's also, true. Yeah. I'm also allergic to lobster, but I do enjoy drinking Really? Lobster. So, yes. So, wow, you're yeah. allergic to lobster. We, uh, we weren't there very long, but we reached the point where we just got sick of it because everybody who came to who's visit who's wanted lobster. Oh. And so we were like, ah, man, they don't even want lobster anymore. Um, so, in so, Maine, so in Maine, where Joel lives, it, historically, not today, of course, but sure. historically, lobster was considered a throwaway food, and there was actually a law on the books that prisoners in prison could not be fed lobster more than once a week because yeah, yeah. they were feed, feeding them lobster so often because it was a cheap throwaway food that the prisoners were getting, you know, sick of lobster. So uh, now that's not true in prison today in Maine, but <laughs> right. historically, that was if you were in prison in Maine, you ate lobster a lot because it was considered a throwaway food. Yeah, so yeah I've today. heard that. That's that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, so how can we, how can people who are not in New England here in Ohio or wherever you're watching from, how can we get involved um, and be praying for and um, really know what's going on up there um, in the ministry in New England? Right, so we have a really good, I'm not bragging, well, I am bragging a little bit, uh, we have a really good website and a really active Facebook group. And so we would encourage people, you go to the website, which is BCNE, Baptist Convention of New England, bcne.net. And if you look right across the top, there's a tab that says connect. And if you connect on that, you can sign up for a monthly newsletter that will keep you informed. You can also download the app which gives you a push notification every single day. We publish one prayer request 
of some church in New England. So it's not something from five months ago or six months ago, but it's something that was given to us that week from a church in New England that's having some prayers thing that they prayed for. And it is amazing. So we started that app about two years ago and it's amazing. Now we, we push the thing out, people pray. And the pastor calls us three or four days later and said, it's a miracle. The prayer request, God did it. And so you would think that God, God answers prayer or something. I know that's shocking to us, but uh, it actually does work. Yeah, it actually does work. And so we would encourage people download the app, get their prayer request every day and take a minute and pray. It really does make a difference. And so we're, those are two things, getting the newsletter and getting the prayer request every day. It really does make a huge, huge difference in our, in our, you know, in what we're doing, because you can't accomplish anything apart from the Spirit of God making it happen. But also on our website, there is one page. It's uh, I think it's the Serve tab. I don't I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I believe it's called Serve. Okay. And there is a place for mission teams that can come. Uh, there's also a place there for people who want to come and do mission work themselves. If they want to be a church planter or a pastor, we keep all the current things there listed, and so people can come and serve. And then also across on the on the website there, there's a place, you know, we're Baptist, so there's a place where they can give, and there's a whole. Uh, oh, I thought you said where we can eat. Yeah, like that's what I was waiting <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we we could eat too, but uh, yeah. I send you my lobster. Anyway, uh, so you know, of course, we're very thankful for churches, Southern Baptist churches across the country that give to the cooperative program and yes, the Annie Armstrong Mission Offering. Um, I wish that, like the IMB, that met all the needs. Uh, but that's just not the way it works in right. North America. And so we raise about a third of our budget every year from good people who just love what God's doing and want to give something extra. And uh, we have links on the website for all of that. Too. So people go to the website, bcne.net. They can find most of most of what they want to know to help. It's a very good website. Or if they're more into social media, they can go to our Facebook group. And we're we, it's a very active Facebook group. And they can learn so much about us there. Amen. Well, sir, this is where we completely undo all of the amazing things you just mentioned about ministry in New England. Uh, I'm about to ask you five random questions in our segment called Fast Five. Uh, Every disclaimer we give is that you are allowed to feign technical difficulties if you would like. Um, So that is... I'll just make up something. Yeah. That'll work. (laughs) Are you ready, sir? Sure. So first question uh, is a little bit of a softball. Uh, please give us your reason of New England clam chowder versus Manhattan clam chowder. Well, first of all, Manhattan is nowhere near the real ocean. So would you trust a clam from Manhattan? I mean, it will come out of the sewer system. So <laughs> you make your own decision about whether you should eat New England clam chowder or Manhattan clam chowder. But... That's enough of an answer for me. Yeah. Manhattan like is the tomato the tomato It's the tomato base. base. That's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no tomatoes and clams. Uh, well played, sir. Question number two. A moose is wearing duck boots, walks into your office. What does he say and why is he there? These questions. A moose wearing duck boots walks into my office. Why is he there? I don't know why he's there. I don't know what he says. Have you ever seen a moose? Yeah, I have seen a moose. In my office, he probably falls to the floor into the basement. (laughs) A moose is a a really big animal. I don't know what he says, but I like to eat moose. You're with me. He's there to make a donation of his side. Yeah, you're with me. Like, I hear sometimes he asks these questions, and I'm like, (laughs) 
What? Where do you come up with so, this? Well, like, this is a variation of a question that gets in, actually an interview question. I think it's like Google or Apple, where okay. it's actually uh, a penguin wearing a sombrero walks into your office. Why is he there? And what does he say oh. to you? Uh, so we adapted it for New England culture. Duck All boots, right. best L.O. Bean store in the world. There's my fist pump for yeah. Brian. Uh, so <laughs> question number three, sir. We're going to kind of pivot towards some semantic grammar. Uh, name something that you can do in your sleep that only other people can do in their dreams. I do in my sleep that other people do in my in their dreams. I think I look pretty good when I'm asleep. And some people <laughs> will dream that they look good, but I actually do look good, you know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting all the existential questions today. <laughs> there, are you at Walden Pond? All right, keep going. Walden <laughs> Pond. Yeah. Uh, in the row. We're, we're hanging out. Uh, nice reference, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, question How many number... of these questions are there? Uh, yeah, yeah. You've got two like, more. I feel like I'm answering one of those Facebook quizzes. Yeah, yeah. 25 questions that tell you what color. No shade. At him, I like yes. it. Throw shade at him. Like That's that. good. What shade lipstick should I use? Or something? Right, chartreuse. Where chartreuse, sir? It's the only random color I can think of. Uh, what is something we should celebrate as a national holiday that we don't already celebrate? Oh, I know this one. Um, well, so we celebrate, um, you know, the day here in New in New England. We celebrate. I don't celebrate's not the right word. We observe the day of the Boston Marathon bombing. Correct. And it's actually a legal holiday here in Massachusetts. And it's one of the pretty serious domestic terrorism issues. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure people outside of New England appreciate it as much as they should. Sure. And so I think that would be a good thing for all of us to observe. I don't know why I've used the word celebrate, but to observe. Sure, sure. Because if it can happen in Boston, it can happen anywhere. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Uh, and it's is it, is it called Patriots Day? Is that, I was going to say Patriots it called, Day. It is called Patriots Day, yes. Yeah, okay. Patriots Day is a big holiday up there, um, right. which would be a good – and that was before the marathon. That, that was Massachusetts anyway, state holiday. Um, wow. Good so, to yeah. know. Good some piece of information. Uh, finally, question number five. Uh, would you rather spend 10 days in a converted van or 10 months in a tiny oh, house? Man. 10 days in a converted van or 10 days in a tiny house. So I would prefer neither. But if I was forced into one, I would do 10 days in a van because it would be over with sooner. All right. Um, so my wife and I, um, after 14 months of COVID lockdown, we've decided we might need a house with a couple more bedrooms and a couple more dens in order to have a happy matrimony. So anyway, um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> we should have got we all like small, the... we live in a we live in a two bedroom condo, and uh, we we need more space. Okay, <laughs> that is fantastic. We should have gotten all like the New England um, phrases or names for things, and yeah, had him explain it like bubbler. What's a bubbler? Uh, yeah, water fountain. Yeah, water fountain. Uh, Hold on, carriage. You when you go to the grocery store, get your carriage. I I wanted to have this confirmed with somebody from a native New Englander. Uh, so it's. It's a frap, right? It's not a milkshake. Well, a frap is a specific type of milkshake that's okay. more. Yeah, you know, I don't know. A native New Englander would argue with me about that. I don't like fraps, so therefore it's. Uh, but yeah, yeah, there is a frap, and then there's also a milkshake, and there's a creamy, and there's a soft serve, and they're definitely different. Anyway, so. And there's yeah. Jimmy's. Jimmy's, yeah, which yeah. is different from Sprinkles, sort of. <laughs> yeah. 
the, the purists will argue with you. Um, the transplants don't see the difference. That's how you know if they're a transplant or a, or a native. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy's versus the sprinkles. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy's are uh, just chocolate sprinkles, right? Correct. Yes. Right, yeah. And Jimmy's yeah. are. That's what it is, a chocolate sprinkle. So what's sprinkles? Right. They also have a little bit of a, a paraffin coating on them, whereas uh, colored sprinkles do not. They melt all over the ice cream and make the vanilla ice cream this. look like you should have saved. You should have used your Duncan question from uh, Rebecca See, McLaughlin. That's the problem. Like, yeah. I, I, I was uh, talking with Reggie, like, what do we do? Like, do we talk about the double-double versus the ice turbo, or do we, like... Yeah, yeah, because, like, I learned... So I moved up there, and I learned when you order Dunkin' up there, you say, I want a regular coffee. It comes with cream and sugar. You say regular coffee anywhere else, it's just black. Yeah. Like, there's a different lingo. As it should be. There's a different Dunkin'. Dun mm. And if you come here and you give, like, your order, like, up there, I could just say, you know, uh, regular French vanilla. You could just shoot out something real fast. You do that here, you don't know what you're getting. It doesn't translate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Dunkin' Donuts, of course, has a cake-based donut. And I prefer, I, this is probably the one piece of me that has never adjusted to New England. I prefer a yeast donut, which is a Krispy Kreme. And so my friends and I have differences of opinions on donuts. I am not a New England donut fan, but I don't say that when I'm in a large group because I prefer right. to keep my... We'll post my, this my for you. <laughs> Only on the internet. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody's watching. Don't worry about it, sir. They'll be beating the door down in a minute and probably force me to eat a cake donut. So anyway, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. No. Krispy Kreme way better. Uh, hey, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the morning show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Well, glad to be with you, and uh, thanks for sharing the story of New England. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. Shade on the Duncan. I mean, oh, just yeah. the donut side, not the coffee side, but. Uh, That's true. He didn't bring up the coffee, which is probably safe because the coffee is actually bigger at Dunkin' than the I donuts. Did, in my research of the double double, I found out that that actually began as a Tim Hortons thing that carried into New England. Okay. So, yeah. but still, nobody around here would know what that is. So, at yeah. any rate, uh, lovely guy. Very glad to have uh, Dr. Dorset on. Uh, yeah, it was a good interview. It was a good guy. Yeah, so, it was neat to hear. We uh, one of the things he mentioned was the multi-ethnic churches that are yeah. up there, huge diversity within the SVC. Right. Wave, uh, Executive Director Peter Yanes is coming on uh, to talk about the diversity in the SVC, right? Yes. Is that next week? I have to look um, because I can't remember. You're telling me, so I'm assuming that you yes. Yeah. Uh, so Peter Yanes, um, who is uh, heads up, I forget his exact title, but he works for the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention handling Asian relations, and then also does a lot of uh, work with other ethnic groups within the SBC. Um, we're going to have him on next week. Talk for me. Just did a big study that released. Uh, he headed up. He headed it up on S on the Southern Baptist for the convention, um, really showing that pretty much all the growth that's happening in the mm -hmm. convention is happening in these different ethnic groups, Asian, Hispanic, African-American, um that really the anglo i guess is what we i don't know what we call ourselves yeah. uh, <laughs> it is not really growing like we're we're not we're the people we're reaching are right. minority groups um and the southern baptist convention and becoming much more of a diverse uh convention i'm excited to have them on here really kind of pick apart that and see the good news of what's happening um, yeah and i think it's a good re a good you know one of the things for me is i think for you know for so long the southern baptist convention has been big in the south Right. Mm -hmm. We've mm -hmm. been a convention of Southerners, you know, 
suburban whatever that type of community um and to see that what god's done the last 10 20 years is Mm -hmm. the convention has really become a global convention correct um we are we are churches all over the world churches all over the country different ethnic groups and that's awesome to see the gospel going forth in that way that we are centered on the gospel but reflect different yeah it's really amazing uh so that is the morning show thank you for watching for one year uh for those of you who started way back at the beginning with tj we're gonna have to get tj back on yeah uh, we have to, to get tj that. back on we've got a i think we can get him in may maybe um that would be fantastic. so we're, we're wrapping up we're we're getting close to the summer break yeah at the end of season two this this will be great uh we might actually get season two done before the chosen does and and that would be that would be fun (laughs) all right thank you so much for watching guys we'll see you next week